All hearts clear. We've already had two timeouts, so. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Zechariah, chapter 4. The book of Zechariah, chapter 4. We are still in the visions God gave Zechariah. It seems like Probably, likely, possible, I guess, that all these came in one night, and uh, I'm not sure if, if that would have happened to me. I'm not sure I would have remembered everything to write it down, but Lord has, Lord has been helping us. When the Lord led me to Zechariah, I thought, what in the world, Lord? Really, it's it's not one of those it's not one of those books that you that we give a lot of attention to, uh, but I have to say that I've really gotten a lot of good out of it so far. I don't know if you have or not, and if not, well, I guess this is a series is for me and not for you. So hopefully we'll get through it quickly then. But um, really feel like the Lord's been helping us, Zechariah. Chapter 4, I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. If you're able, I'm planning to read the, the whole of the chapter. So if that's going to be too long for you, um, don't, don't, try to, don't try to endure. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of gold with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. And two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl, and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake unto the angel that talked with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. And he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, <coughs> The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches? which thou through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves. And he answered 
me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. And he said, These are the two anointed ones which stand by the Lord of the whole earth. What a wonderful passage of Scripture. What a wonderful passage. Father, help us tonight as we look again at Zechariah, a book often neglected. And as we've studied it, as we've been preparing, we realize that it should not be a neglected book. Lord, help us. Help us tonight. We might deliver what you've laid upon our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I was thinking about 16 years ago, in a few months, maybe a month and a half or so, maybe a month, I'm not sure. But at the ripe old age of 22, I took my first church as the pastor. I had worked in another church, had helped as an assistant, I had been, helped to start that church, but now I was going by myself. Well, I took Trisha with me. But I was the pastor, and I had a lot of responsibilities for a young person, really. And wow, I, I didn't know if I could do it, to be honest. I didn't know really what all went into pastoring. I had some idea. I had helped to start a church. I kind of had an idea, but, but I mean there's sermon prep. Many weeks, there's three sermons in a week. That's a lot of stuff to come up with. If I preached 50 weeks that way, that's 150 sermons. Wow. It'd be easier to repeat yourself. How am I going to come up with 150 ideas and then start all over the next week or next year? I was going to have to work with difficult people, carnal people. Wow, that was going to be tough. I was going to have to counsel people. I was going to have uh, responsibilities of discipling new believers and, and uh, trying to, to encourage uh, people to take leadership positions. That nobody wants. <laughs> Try to get people to volunteer and, and all the responsibilities and all the weight. And, and I remember we were, when we had done our, the trial at the, at the church and, and they were going to tell me how much they were going to pay me. I said, no, I, I don't want to know. I, I want to be able to pray clear on it. And, and uh, we accepted the church and they told us how much that they were offering to pay us a week. And it's a good thing they didn't tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't anywhere near enough and the Lord said this is what he wanted me to do and he did not want me to, to work an outside job if I'd have realized how much faith that was going to take and how hard that was going to be it may have been harder for me to say yes to the Lord than it was and I just was thinking about how overwhelmed I was with the responsibility. A lot of self-doubt, a lot of question marks. Just, and I, sure, I was excited. I was very excited. What I lacked in knowledge, I made up for with enthusiasm. 
And I had lots of enthusiasm and not very much knowledge. And I thought, I think about how, just how much it was. And I think today about how God has helped us through 16 years. And, 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 I, and I realize that if God would just, if he would unplug, if he just, just stopped supporting and helping and, and left me by myself to try to, to be your pastor, and you all are great people, but I, I don't know that I'd last a month trying in my own strength to try to do it. I, and I'm not trying to have false humility or anything like that. I'm just telling you the job's too big for a person. It's too big. And one of the things that, that we talk a lot about in ministry, and, we talk, and, and I was thinking about, especially as we're having the Sunday school uh, meeting tonight, and pianos uh, as well, but you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about is burnout in ministry. Burnout in ministry. And it's really easy to burn out. It's really easy to just be exhausted from all that needs to be done. And I graduated with and went to school with a lot of guys who are not pastoring right now for various reasons. Some have backslidden. Some backslid for a season and have come back to the Lord, but for whatever reason are not in the ministry right now. Some have I don't know that they backslid, but for various reasons, they're out of the ministry, doing other things, and I'm not, I'm not casting any judgment on any of that. I, I, can't, I, I don't know why God ha- puts some people on a shelf for a season, and I, I, don't, I don't pretend to know that. But there's a lot of burnout in ministry, and there are Men and, and perhaps even women who, who you know, who were pastors, people that you had hope for, people that you were encouraged by, and for some reason they burned out. And they're no longer ministering, and you're heartbroken over it. Because they're not doing what they should be doing. Again, people who are, God has placed on a shelf for another reason, that... We're not talking about them. We're talking about those that should be in ministry, that God has called them to do it. They should be there, but they're not there because they've burned out. And we can look, point at the pastors, but what about those of, of us that are here this, this evening who God has called to be Sunday school teachers or to lead the song services, or, or sing a special, or play the piano, or whatever the case might be, whatever your ministry is. And, and let me just be frank with you. If you are a Christian, you should have a ministry. You should have something. If God has given you life and breath, there is a ministry for you. And what happens, I, and, and over and over we hear this, I'm just, I just need to resign. I just need to stop. I just, I, I, and you know, it might be the right thing to do for some. It might be the right timing. Maybe God has called them to step, 
step aside from that particular ministry so that another person can learn that ministry. We can grow our, our young leaders. That's, that's not necessarily anything wrong with that if we're doing it because God has led us that way, not because we have burned out spiritually. Now, there's a lot of reasons for burnout. There's some that are spiritual. There's some that are... are uh, some, sometimes we burn out because we're doing more than we ought to be doing that God didn't call us to do. There's a lot of reasons for spiritual burnout. But in this passage, God is speaking with Zechariah, giving him a vision, and this is a vision of not Zerubbabel not burning out in ministry, but Zerubbabel having an effective ministry for God. And so I think it's important for us to take a moment to spend some time here, even though I know that I'm not speaking to pastors, but I am speaking to people who it is easy for us to grow weary in well-doing. It can become easy for us to say, you know what, we'll let somebody else do it. And so here's the vision. It's, a, it's an interesting vision. He sees a golden lampstand, a candlestick. It seems to be identical to what's in the tabernacle, except for it's got a strange contraption on it. It has a bowl. In the temple, in the, it, the, the priest would have to continually fill the oil for the lamps. But there is a bowl here, and there are seven pipes that are going down to, to this lamp. And it is be, those, those, that bowl is being fed by an olive tree that is giving itself. There's two olive, olive trees, actually, but, but they're giving itself to the bowls, to the lampstand. Uh, they're going down through the pipes into the lamp. And Zechariah says, Lord, what is this? And probably while I was reading it, or if you were reading it earlier, if you were in preparation for this, you would probably would say, Lord, what in the world is going on here? It's almost as if these olive trees, instead of the olives needing to be pressed and create the oil, it's like almost like maple syrup trees. The olive oil is flowing out of the... Out of, the, out of the tree, out of the branches, and it's flowing into the bowl, and, and continuously the lamp is, is lit and, and has fuel. The lamp can't go out as long as the trees continue to pour in the oil into the bowl. It's a strange thing. You all don't do maple syrup around here, do you? It's not, this is not the, the geography for that. Back home uh, when I, uh, in Michigan, my grandfather, when I was young, tapped trees. It's a great experience for kids. We would, we would go out and, uh, on the tractor. He had a trailer with a big uh, tub on, in the back, and we would go around, and, and he had... Earlier, he had taken and put spouts in, and nailed them into, hammered them into the trees, and they had, uh, he had put buckets on there, and we would go around and we would collect the sap and dump it in to this big tub. And as long as the season was right for it, 
When we would go out to the maple trees, we would expect that there would be sap in it. And this is this olive tree is pouring forth the oil straight with, without the need of man, without picking the, ber- uh, the, the olive berries, without man needing to press them and get the oil. God is just pouring into these bowls. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. And Zechariah says, I don't know what's going on, Lord. And the Lord is saying, listen, what you have to remember is this. All of us that have a ministry, we are the lampstands. God has given us a call to be the light. Ye are the light of the world. God has called you and to me to a responsibility of being that lamp. But here's the thing. You and I do not have the ability to produce the fire or to produce the fuel to shine the light. I don't have the ability in my own strength, in my own talents, in my own abilities. No lamp has the ability to shine by itself. We have a a few around the the house. I probably should have brought one over. I think most of you know, uh, probably you keep some, I hope you do, keep some lamps at your house in case the electricity goes out. They're kind of a neat little thing. They have the, the little bowl on the bottom. You put your oil in, you have your little wick, and, and you have your, your, your uh, I don't know, what you, globe thing that you put around it and, it, and and you get light when you add fire, and you have fuel. But that lamp, if there's no fuel and there's no fire, that lamp does not produce light. It can't. And so this lamp, stand is this golden lampstand is standing there in the temple and it's and it's there and it has fire and it has light but how did that happen well the first thing is is that the fire has to be set and god sets that fire in us but god also provides the oil of the holy spirit continuously flowing in through us How are we going to prevent burnout? Well, the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize that we need to be continuously connected to the source of the oil. If we are disconnected from the Holy Spirit, if we are disconnected from the Lord, we will burn out. Let me change the the metaphor a little bit for us. I'm not a mechanic, but we have some here. What would happen if I would go out this, the, uh, this evening and I would go and I'd, I'd take the, go to your oil pan and I would empty your oil? And you didn't know it. I just let that go and, and, and then I closed it back up and, and you got in your vehicle and you started headed home, especially Brother Vaughn, you've got, you've got a little bit of a trip. What would happen if the, there's no oil in your engine? It would burn out. It would burn out. 
And when we try to do ministry, when we try to, to tell others about the Lord, when we try to sing, when we try to teach a Sunday school class, if we try to pastor, whatever our ministry is, whether it's writing cards uh, to, to people that are shut in or who missed, whatever our ministry might be, even if it's sweeping floors, if we try to do that without the Holy Spirit, we're going to burn up like that engine without oil. It's guaranteed. And so we have to continuously be connected to the source of the oil. What would happen if those trees suddenly stopped giving oil? Well, there's some oil still in the bowl. There's still some oil in the pipes. There's still a little bit of oil there, right? We can, we can go a little while, right? Well, how long do you want to go without God's help? How long do you want to go in your own strength and, and in your resources? How, how long do you want to try that? We might get away with it for a season, we might get, we may have, and I, I, I've had weeks, I've had weeks so busy and so crazy, and I've gone, uh, and I've gone to the pulpit on a Sunday, and I said, and, and I've knelt there, and uh, before I preached, I said, Lord, I have not had anywhere near enough time to prepare, to pray. I have, I, I can't even. There's no way I can go to the pulpit without your help. I am desperate. I have. Nothing that I can bank on for myself. I can't, I can't tell how long I spent in prayer over this sermon. I can't tell how long I've studied for this sermon. This is, this is a cobble job if there ever was one. Lord, I need your help. And you know, if I haven't been frivolous with my time, if it has been that things have happened and it's not been that I have been neglectful. And sometimes maybe even if it has been, sometimes that maybe I've been a little careless and could have been a little more careful. But I have found that those are the times you all respond the most. And, I'll, and I shake my head and say, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> it's the Lord. It's the Lord that does it. It's not me. It's not, it's not my talent. It's not, it's not even, you know, it's not even me saying, Lord, now I prayed over this sermon for, you know, such, such a long time. You, you, you know, you got to do, do something. Sometimes it's just the Lord says, you know what? It's not your fault. I'm just going to come in and I'm just going to minister. And I'm just going to let the oil overflow. And the flame burns a little hotter and a little brighter. And I just sit back as the lamp and say, it's not my talent, it's not my ability, it's not even my oil. You know, I think some of the reasons that some of our young people burn out is that we're not honest with them about the problems of the ministry. I think we're not honest with them. You know, we've in this passage, Zerubbabel is, is going to face a mountain, a great mountain, and it represents the problems that, that Zerubbabel is going to face. 
There's going to be a mountain of problems in his way. And God says he's going to make it as a plain. And this is exciting, isn't it? God's going to take this mountain and he's going to smash it down. And it's going to be like a plain and it's not going to be any problem. And it sounds wonderful. And man, we could really get excited about God smashing our mountains down. But you know what? Zerubbabel is going to still have to face the mountain. And God is going going to smash it down as a plane, but he's going to do it when he's good and ready to do it. There's problems. There's enemies without that are not wanting the temple built. There's laziness and apathy within the Jewish people. They're not excited about getting the thing built. There's all sorts of problems that that Zerubbabel is going to face in the ministry of building the uh, the temple. And as he's facing these problems, if God wouldn't be honest with him, he could could be discouraged. And I'm afraid sometimes we, we send the message to young converts that now that you're saved, everything is wonderful. You know, some of, our, some of our hymns even talk about, you know, the sun is always shining and, and you know, uh, the days, it, it just gets sweeter every day. And man, there's some days it isn't sweeter than it was the day before. Let me just be honest with you. There's some days that compared to the previous day is a flunk. Can we just be honest about that? Well, we have the Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Thank the Lord we have the Lord. But it's still a bad day. And you know what? Sometimes the Lord on my bad days, He doesn't come in my devotion times. He doesn't always just show up and say, Hey, I know you're having a bad day. Let me just pour some blessings out on you. Sometimes he, I go to pray and he doesn't, it seems like he doesn't show up to, to devotions. I showed up, but he didn't. Where's that in our songs? That's not anywhere in our songs. We don't sing that. There, sun's always shining. The cloud, there's no cloud in the sky. Really? I just want to tell you I've got some clouds in my sky today. I've got some situations that I'm facing today that I wish and, and pray and hope the Lord's going to move those things. I've got a mount, some mountains that I'm trusting that God is going to flatten them like a plain. But today, they're still mountains. And that doesn't make me less spiritual, and it doesn't mean that I don't have my, my bowl of oil filled up. It doesn't mean I'm disconnected from the source. It just means that the mountain is here today, and I know that God is able, and I know that God will, in His timing, choose to flatten it, but it's in His timing, and it's not today. And we need to be honest with ourselves, we need to be honest with our young people. We need to be honest with our uh, with those that that are young leaders. We need to let them know there's going to be some mountains. God's going to to destroy them for you. He's going to cast them into the sea. He's going to flatten them. But you just need to understand that in the hard times, that there's going to be some. But God's going to take care of it. You just got to trust Him in the midst of the mountain. Just because you have a mountain doesn't mean God's abandoned you, because the devil will tell you that. 
Just because you have a mountain doesn't mean that, that God isn't going to bless your ministry because the devil will tell you that. Just because you have a mountain doesn't mean that you're all alone and nobody's praying for you because the devil will tell you that. And just because you have a mountain doesn't mean that God isn't taking notice of what you're going through. He's taking notice and he cares. It's just not time yet. Can I just be honest with you? One of the thing, another thing that we're not real honest with our young people is that God is slow. And that might sound a little blasphemous, but God does not hurry. God promises Abraham a Messiah and doesn't send Jesus for 2,000 years. I wouldn't call that hurrying. God promises Abraham a son. He doesn't get Isaac for 25 years. I hope that poor Sarah wasn't making baby clothes when God promised that because some of those probably were pretty ratty time Isaac showed up on the scene. What about the years that they spent in Egypt as slaves? What about the 40 years wandering around in the wilderness? What about going into captivity? How about, the was it 400 years of silence after Malachi before Jesus shows up? There's not, God is not in a hurry. But you know what? I am. And if you're, as, I don't know, it's going to blame it on being an American, but I don't know, it's just the way that I was, if, man, my mom thought things should have been done three years ago. My mother only knows one gear, and it is faster than anybody else's. And that's just the way she is. She, is, she, she poor, drives my poor wife to distraction sometimes when she comes, just because my mom is always going, 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 going. She's planning to come out for Thanksgiving. She's got the whole thing all planned out. I would dare say, I might be wrong about this, I sh I'm going to ask her this week to find out. Remind me and ask me on Wednesday. I'll, I'll ask her. She may already be packed for her Thanksgiving trip here. This is what I was raised with. I expected things to go quickly, and God doesn't go quickly. God doesn't move at the snap of a finger, even though we know he can. God is slow as men count slowness. But God's timing's perfect. And our timing's all messed up. And do you know what? There's going to be some times that we're going to face some things in the ministry, whether it's, whether whatever your ministry is, you're going to face some times where you're going to wish that God would speed up the process. Lord, why are these students not getting it? Why are these people not raising their hand on this good song I'm leading? Why aren't these people shouting while I'm singing this special song? I really feel like they should be shouting. This is there's some good words. Why is there no amens? Some preachers really seem annoyed by that. Lord, why don't you hurry up and get these people right? Straighten them up. You and I will do it. 
<laughs> Zerubbabel has spent 20 years at this point building the temple. It's going to take another four before it's built. He's going to spend 24 years of his life building this temple. And it's not done. It's 20 years in. He's not done yet. It still has four more years worth of work to be done. And Zerubbabel could easily be discouraged and feel defeated. I've put 20 years of my life into this, and I have nothing to show for it. And I'm sure Satan was coming along and saying, you're never going to finish this temple. And why do you say that? Because this is what God says, that you laid the foundation and you're going to finish it. I believe that Zerubbabel was facing severe doubts and discouragement and maybe even depression over the lack of the people getting behind and finishing the temple. I'm sure that he felt like he was wasting his time trying to get this temple built and nobody cared about doing it anymore. The people oh, were just lethargic. They, were, they had ignored the calls for help and the calls for volunteers. And he's, he's probably saying in the place of prayer, I'm never going to get to see this tabernacle or the temple finished. I'm never going to see it completed. And you called me to do it and I'm, and I'm just a great big failure, God. And God had to say, listen, you, you put 20 years in, but come on, you're going to finish it. And God didn't tell him it'd take four more years, but it would. And the gates, the gates that need to be taken care of, well, that's not going to be done for another hundred years. God's not in a hurry, but we often are. And we can burn out and we can get discouraged if we just aren't honest that sometimes God doesn't operate on our timetables. Here's Zerubbabel. He's, he's, he's got a big mountain of problems. God's not operating on his timetable. Oh, and how about this? He feels like his work isn't very important. It's insignificant. You say, what are you saying, preacher? Well, you remember they laid the temp they laid the foundation. And the Bible tells us the young people rejoiced, but the old people wept because it was smaller than Solomon's temple. And in this passage, the Lord specifically speaks to those who despise the day of small things. This temple is not going to be impressive for anyone who remembers Solomon's temple. And you know what? That can be discouraging. It can be discouraging when you feel like the work that you're doing isn't very important. I heard about a, a preacher that someone was just telling me, maybe it was one of you all that was telling me he was at a little church for a little while, and he left the church and said, God didn't call me to preach to just a handful of people. The Lord didn't tell me how many people I was to preach to. I just preached wherever, I, wherever he calls me to preach. you know, small things can get, can get discouraging. And we don't see the revivals like we used to see. And we don't see people coming to the Lord like, like people talk about. And you know, it, I'll be honest with you, sometimes, when I was a younger preacher, I know I'm still young, but when I was a younger preacher, I used to get really discouraged by all the older people talking about how much better the older preachers were than, I, than we younger preachers are. Now I don't care what you think. <laughs> But I had to die out to that. 
I know I'm not a preacher like Marshall Smart. I know I'll never match up to Yoakum. I know that I'll never match up to some of your favorites from yesteryear. I know that God, is, God has not given me their ministry. He's given me Zerubbabel's ministry, not Solomon's ministry. And we can despise the small things. We can get down on what God's doing today. But God says, don't despise it. If I'm in it, don't despise it, even if it seems small. Your Sunday school class is small. And God, you're doing your best to grow it. And you're trying to be faithful. And you're doing everything you can. Don't despise your small Sunday school class. You hit the wrong note playing the piano. Don't get all worked up about it. You, thank the Lord that you're not in a great big 2,000 people church and, no, and only a few of us would even know it if we even heard it. And just keep playing for the Lord. You're singing up here and you get crying because God's blessing you and your voice cracks a little bit. Thank God for it. Let's not despise the small things. I believe with all my heart this is a message that our young people need to hear. And I, maybe even our older people don't despise what God's doing just because it's not as big as you wish it were. I need to hear that tonight. I wish we'd have a, a, a 200 people show up to our Sunday school picnic. I'd love that. But if only five people show up from our community... Thank God for the five. If only one shows up for our community, we need to thank God in the midst of the small things that he's still doing something. Oh, that God would give us a, 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 an understanding that the small things that God's doing is big because God's in the midst of it. And this Zerubbabel temple, that's not impressive. That, it, that doesn't compare to Solomon's. Let's not, let's not criticize Zerubbabel's temple because it's not Solomon's temple. Let's thank God that God has his man building his kingdom, building his church. And your ministry, whatever it might be, it may seem like it's a small, dark corner and nobody knows that you're even doing it. I may not even know what you're doing. Maybe you... As you're walking out here, you pick up a piece of litter on, uh, on the property because you want the church to look, uh, property to look nice for someone else and nobody sees you pick it up and nobody says thank you and nobody uh, says anything about it, but you're doing it for the Lord. Don't despise that small thing. Don't do it. We can get discouraged by what God isn't doing or we can be encouraged by what God is doing. But we just need to be honest with ourselves and honest with our young people that our God is a God who not only is in the little things, but He's in the big things. And He's not only in the big things, but He's in the gigantic things. And He's also in the things nobody takes any notice of. You don't have to be pastoring a mega church for God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you don't have to pray three hours to be a prayer warrior and God to say, well done, 
my good and faithful servant. You, you, you wrestled with me in the place of prayer. You only prayed five minutes, but you prevailed with me in prayer. Maybe your testimony was, was not what you... It would be impressive. Maybe it was long and rambling. Maybe it was just I got, all you got up was, I love Jesus. Maybe that's all you could get out. Don't despise it. Don't despise it. Well, everybody was bored with my testimony. Or everybody kind of laughed at what I said. Don't you worry about it. Did you do it for him or did you do it for everyone else? You see, Zerubbabel is facing some difficulties in his ministry. And it's tempting for him to burn out. But he's only four years. He's put 20 years in. It's just four years from accomplishing what God has set out for him to do. Oh, he's already put... Why give up now? Why would you give up, saint? Why would you give up the ministry that God's given you as long as he still has a job for you to do? Well, I got long-winded tonight. <laughs> Folks, there's a work to do. And I know we sing little as much when God is in it. And sometimes I, I think we don't really mean those words when we sing it. And then sometimes I think we're trying to convince ourselves that it's true. But I want you to know that if you're facing the great big mountain in your life, a great big mountain of problems, and it seems like no one's on your side, I want you to know God says the mountain's going to become as a plain. If it seems like God is slow to answer your prayers, you've been praying and you've been working and you've put 20 years, you've put 50 years into trying to serve God, and it seems like you've got nothing to show for it, keep pressing, God's still working, God's still moving. To hold on just a little bit longer. Hold on, you don't know, but the breakthrough might be just around the corner. You might be disappointed on how small your work is, maybe how small of a ministry, maybe no one notices it, maybe nobody cares. But God says not to despise the day of small things. Offer it to God. God's not looking for big trophies. He's just looking for people who are willing to give it to God, whatever their ministry is. We don't have to burn out. We don't have to burn out, folks. But we're going to have to be honest with ourselves. And we're going to have to be connected to the source. And if we'll be connected to the source, the oil of gladness will be shed in our hearts. The Holy Spirit, you know, oil is a wonderful thing. Especially olive oil, as I understand it, is just a remarkable thing. In fact, they, I think there's seven things that oil specifically does that the Holy Spirit does. And, and, and I could look at my notes, but some of the, it heals. Oil is put into wounds for healing. It's a cleansing agent. Oil was poured on, on the top of sheep's head in order to cleanse and get the bugs and all those things out of it. It's used for heat and light. It's used for lubrication, for when there's friction. Oil is unique. And the Holy Spirit uses oil as a synonym for Himself, as a, as a metaphor for Himself. Himself. 
Because as we have the Holy Spirit, He does exactly that. He gives us heat, and He gives us light, and He gives us uh, lubrication with our times of friction, and He, and he gives us all uh, healing, and, and He cleanses us. And all these things that the Holy Spirit does are in the oil. I want to be connected to the Holy Spirit. I don't want to try, I don't want to try one moment without Him. I don't want to trust in my abilities and my talents Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, tells us that what we do in our own strength is straw, hay, and stubble. It'll just all burn up. But what we do for the Lord in His empowering, that will be precious jewels for us when we go into the, uh, stand before Him and He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm looking forward to hearing that someday. Let's stand together. Amen. Those that are uh, pianists and Sunday school teachers, please make sure you stay. Father, I don't want to burn out. I want to rust out. I don't want to be out. I want to be letting my light shine for the world that's dark. Father, I need the fire and the oil. I believe all of us would say that this evening. Connect us to the source. And Lord, though there's trials to be faced, mountains of difficulty, help us to believe that you're going to bring them down as a plane. And when you're slow, as we count slowness, Father, help us to be patient and to wait upon you. Help us to be faithful and not to give up. And Lord, when our work seems small and insignificant, help us to remember that we do it for you. And whatever we do for the great king of the universe cannot be insignificant. Because it's done for you. Lord, if there's any here that's feeling close to burnout, if some are pressed in by the weight of their, uh, their burden... I pray that the Holy Spirit would just pour out on them tonight and that they would sense your closeness and they'd sense your help. Help us each one to make it to that celestial city and for us to hear well done. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.